welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to join us for this message. You're listening to the final in our series next. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. We're in the fifth and final part of a series here at church called Next. And what we have said in this series is we just believe that God has a next for each and every one of us. And we want to encourage you, if you've missed any parts of this series, again, once this thing's done here this morning, hop online, hop onto YouTube, catch up, because we think there is some good stuff. We think that God has a word for you if you have not heard it already. As we conclude our series this morning, what I want to do is I want to do what we always do at Kingdom Church, and that's begin in the word of God. And so I want to read a passage of scripture If you've been with us through this series, uh, one thing that you may have noticed, may not have, is that every single week in this series, we've read a long passage of scripture. This morning, we're actually going to read a shorter passage of scripture, but I think it's going to be just as powerful. This is found in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is speaking and he says this. In verse 31, it says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in all its branches. I want to call our message this morning, Think Small. Think Small. You know, one thing I've realized, and maybe you heard this saying growing up, that life is full of big decisions. Life is all about the big decisions that you've made. One thing that I believe to be true is that I don't really think that life is necessarily about the big decisions that we make. I think that life is full of little decisions that end up making a big difference. You know, one thing that I love to do, if you're, uh, if you're part of our church, you know this, if you're brand new, uh, one thing I love to do is I love to tell stories of how Christy, my wife and I, uh, met, met each other, how we fell in love. I love to tell our love story, and uh, I like it for a number of reasons. Number one, when I'm preaching and I talk about our story, uh, it gives me full control. She can't say anything. Uh, I control the narrative. That being said, I always make it accurate, and it's always true. I just like to add my own little flair which is true, but I like preaching because I tell the story and she has nothing to say with it, nothing to say about it. But I also like telling about our love story is because one thing that's amazing about our story is that there are so many little different stories that make up our love story. It was just a series of little things that got her to fall in love with me. Now, the reason I say her fall in love with me is because I always loved her from the moment that I met her. Come on, somebody just earning some brownie points in case we quarantine and chill later. Who's paying attention online right now? Um, but I love telling our love story. One, one, one of my stories I like to tell, um, again, our love story, it's full of, of small, little, but very important decisions. One thing, uh, people may or may not know this, we met when we were in university. We met our very first year of university, and uh, Christy was taking general study sciences. I was taking psychology, also known as I don't quite know what I want to do with my life yet. Um, But the beauty was we had three classes together um, and our classes, how they worked, we had two that were Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and one class that was Tuesday, Thursday, which was English. Now, the thing about English class on Tuesday, Thursday is that it was longer than our Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes. It was about 80 minutes. And so for me, someone that was quite interested in this girl, the way I looked at English class was not necessarily a time to learn English because I speak English, but I saw it as an amazing time to get to know my future wife. Uh, She didn't know we would be married at the time. Um, And so the only problem was 
that the place that she sat in the classroom was beside a girl named Vanessa. And so thankfully, Vanessa just happened to be my cousin. And so one day I said to Vanessa, I said, hey, when you come to class tomorrow, I said, you're not going to sit beside Christy. You're going to sit where I see, sit. And she's like, why? And I'm like, don't ask questions, just do it. And so the very next day she went and she sat in my spot, which left Christy all by herself. And so what I did that day, very small thing, I just walked over and I said, hey, I can't help but notice that no one's sitting beside you today. Do you think that I could sit by you? And she said, yes. And the rest is as they say, history. Because what you need to understand about this spot is that it was four inches away from Christy, which is amazing, but it was also uh, kind of behind this pole. And so I was hidden from the professor. And so literally for 80 minutes, I could just whisper sweet nothings into her ear and the professor couldn't even see me. And so it was a very little thing, but it gave me access to her two times a week for 80 minutes for four months. Come on, somebody. You see, the reason I'm telling that story is because it was such a small thing, but it ended up making a huge difference. Because one thing I believe about life is that life is full of little decisions that end up making a huge difference. There was actually a study done at Cornell University. And what this study found was that on average, we as people, we make 35,000 decisions a day. somewhat conscious decisions a day, 35,000. And what they said, out of those 35,000, it said we make 226 decisions per day strictly uh, pertaining to food. How many of you guys feel like you made a few more food decisions since quarantine started? Come on, somebody, the quarantine 15. Um, 35,000 decisions per day. And so what this study tells me is that maybe life isn't necessarily about the big choices that we have, but maybe what is important in life is the little decisions that end up making a big difference. As we conclude our series next, this is kind of where I want us to take us. I want us to go down this road. You see, I think so many of us, when it comes to what is next, this idea of purpose, that God has a plan, that God has a vision, so many of us, we get caught thinking big. Well, it's about big decisions. But I think what we're going to see is that so many of us, we get caught up in the big decisions that we perceive as important and valuable. And we can often miss out on the little things that are just as important. And so what I want to do this morning is we kind of suss this out and get into it. I want to go back into Matthew 13. Now, before we read it, I'll give you a little context of what's going on. Jesus is preaching uh, in things called parables. Now, if you don't know what a parable is, a parable is sort of like a giant object lesson. And so where we pick up our story this morning, Jesus is in the midst of preaching a number of parables. And in the midst of these parables, he's dropping all these truth truth bombs and just this gold. And this is what he says in Matthew 13. It's what you read at the very start. Again, it says, he told them another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Now, what we need to understand is this. What Jesus is saying, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. A mustard seed is extremely small. It's the size of probably about a popcorn kernel. But what we need to understand for this parable to make sense is we need to understand what the kingdom of heaven is. You see, for some people, when they say kingdom of heaven, they think maybe God's or Jesus is referencing like heaven, like the place that we go when we die. That's not what he's talking about when he says kingdom of heaven. 
When Jesus talks about kingdom of heaven, what he's talking about is the reference to the movement and the reign of Jesus that was beginning on earth. The kingdom of heaven was coming. Really, really, if we could break this down super simple, anyone that calls, them a follow, calls themselves a follower of Jesus, we fall under that definition of the kingdom of heaven. We're, we're a part of the kingdom of God. Is everyone following online? And so what that means is this. He's saying the kingdom of God, how Jesus works, he says it's like a mustard seed. In other words, it starts small. Now, there's no doubt this is referencing to the church, right? The church starts with Jesus. It's one. And then then it went to 12 people and so on and so forth, to hundreds, to thousands, to millions. But the essence of what he is saying, he's saying everything that happens under the kingdom of God, and again, if you call yourself a believer, we're part of the kingdom of heaven. He's saying it starts small. It starts small. And so he continues and he says, though it is the smallest of all the seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of all the garden plants. Now, if you read the Bible, one thing that you will see is that the Bible is rich with metaphors uh, containing vegetation, um, plants, and gardening. And I think one of the reasons that Jesus often uses these metaphors is because plants and vegetation, they mirror our lives. They mirror how we as humans work. And so as we begin this morning, I kind of want to give our message a thesis statement. And it comes from Matthew 13. It comes from this parable. If I were to break down super simple what Jesus is saying in this parable, it would be this. It's that little decisions that we make today have a big impact on tomorrow. The little decisions that we make today have a big impact on tomorrow. The way that God works, the way that the kingdom of heaven was designed, it was for us to start with little decisions. It was for us to start small. Everything in this world, everything amazing that we have ever seen, it started small. It started with a thought. It started with an idea. It started with a person. It starts small. The thing is, for so many of us, when we hear small, we don't necessarily attach it to vision. We don't necessarily attach it to next. Like, what's the next thing in your life? Small? What do you mean small? One of my favorite verses, Zechariah 4, it says this. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I love this verse, and if you've been around our church, I've said this verse many times to our people. Despise not the day of small beginnings. Now, the reason that I like this verse so much is because for so many of us, when we think small and we think little, We despise it. Like, what do you mean small? Like, God doesn't have a small plan. God doesn't have... Here's the thing. The reason that so many of us despise small is because we associate little with insignificant. If something is little, it's insignificant. But what Jesus is trying to get us to see in the kingdom of God, little does not mean insignificant. Can I tell you something? One of the reasons I think so many of us despise small things, we despise little things, is because we live in the world of the influencer. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like where where everything is a matter of influence. Well, how many followers do you have? Well, how much money do you have? Well, how much clout do you have? How much fame do you have? And so we think in terms of big and influence and numbers. You you know what's funny? One thing that's kind of happened in, in all the craziness that's surrounded our lives now One thing that we have realized, I think, as a people is that some of the things that so many of us chase, whether that be fame or money or status, all of those things don't really mean anything at the end of the day. When tragedy comes, when hard times comes, no one really cares. 
And so I just began to wonder this week if maybe God was trying to move us away from being people of influence and move more to being people that actually make an impact. Now, now listen, some of you guys are saying, well, Harrison, isn't influence and impact the same thing? They're close, but there's a difference. And I'll explain it like this. You see, for so many of us, we chase after influence because we perceive it as big and important. But what I want us to understand is that we can have influence. You can have influence and never make a difference and never actually make an impact. There are people, listen to this, that have literally millions of followers, millions of dollars. And yes, they can persuade you to buy a swimsuit or a pair of sunglasses or an energy drink or a brand new essential oil, whatever it is. But the reality is just because they have influence doesn't mean that they ever make an impact. You follow him. And so what God wants us to do is God wants us to live lives where we begin to search out impact as opposed to influence. Impact means actually making a difference. Now, here's the beauty of impact and how impact and influence work together. If you search and seek after impact, you will have influence. The result of impact is influence. You following? But listen to this. If you're just going after influence, you will never actually make an impact. And so the two are separated. And what I want to do this morning as we finish off this series next, I want us to begin to ask the question, how can we actually make an impact? Again, what I said, I believe that it starts small. It starts small. You see, the reality is this. In order for us to understand how to have impact, we have to begin to understand what actually matters. Because I think as a people like never before, we have a hard time distinguishing what actually matters and what doesn't matter, what is useful and what is useless. Francis Chan, I love how he says it. Um, He says this, he says, our greatest fear in life should not be a failure, but it should be of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Because we don't need to be afraid of a failure. What we need to be afraid of is succeeding in the wrong things. Because the reality for so many of us, we chase and we chase and we chase and you may get there, but at the end of the day, what if it doesn't even matter? And so what God wants to do, I believe, as we finish out this series, as we get into this message, God wants us to begin to chase that which actually matters, which is making an impact. The question we need to ask ourselves is how do I make an impact? How do I know what is important? It's super simple and it's this, you need to have a vision for your life. You need to have a mission statement for your life. You need to have something that gets you out of the bed every single morning. And here's the reality. I cannot make your mission statement for you. This is something that you have to do on your own. This is something that you have to take time with the Lord and you have to go into solitude and say, God, what is my life's mission? I wonder if there was any event that happened in life where suddenly you have a little bit more free time, where you're able to go and figure out what your life's mission is. Again, this is something I can't tell you. I can't tell you what your life's vision can be or should be. But what I can do is I can point you in the direction. And what I want to do is I want to show you Jesus because I think that Jesus very clearly and very concisely, he had a vision and he had a purpose when he came to earth. Let me show you. It is found in the book of Luke. It says in this, Luke chapter 19, it says the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. What was his purpose? What was his vision? What was his mission? It was to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus came to earth. It was to seek and to save the lost. Can I I give you a side note right now in case you're following us right now for the first time? This is the very first time you've hopped on to church online. 
You see, I think for a lot of people, they have different images or different pictures of why Jesus came to earth. I talk to people all the time and they say, man, like, I think that Jesus just came to judge me and Jesus came to condemn me. And I just, I don't want any part of that. I hear people say all the time, man, I don't, I don't need Jesus because if Jesus just came to make me good, I don't need a person to make me good. And guess what? I agree with you because Jesus did not, came to, did not come to make you good. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to make dead people alive. Come on, somebody, if you're awake, say amen. Jesus's mission was very specific. He said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And so because he had a mission and a vision, he was so focused on it. Everything that he did afterwards was in order that he may accomplish his mission. Again, I can't tell you what the vision for your life is, but I can only point you in a direction. And I believe your direction should be this. The vision for your life, the mission for your life should be bigger than you. It's as simple as that. You want to make a vision statement for your life? Make sure that it goes beyond you. One thing that I've tried to do recently um, is my personal mission statement, my personal vision statement. And I've tweaked it recently, but my statement is so simple. It's just this. It's love people, make disciples. Love people, make disciples. That's my life mission statement. That's my life vision statement. That's why I believe God created me and put me here on this earth. It was to love people and make disciples. And so what that means, when that's my vision, everything that I do revolves around the mission. It revolves around the vision and it gives me clarity. And so I want to encourage you, come up with that personal vision and mission statement. And if you can't come up with it, guess what? The beauty of Jesus is you can rip them off. You can use the exact same one as him. You can say, my vision statement is to seek and to save the lost. I just want to love people. Whatever it is, however you word it, it just needs to move you beyond yourself. And then you will begin to live a life of purpose. Now, when you have that vision, when you have that statement, the next question is, well, what do I do? Because that seems really big. That seems really daunting. How do I love people? How do I make disciples? How do I seek and save the lost? This is why I want to go back to the parable in Matthew 13. It's so simple. Look what he says. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. You see, the essence of what he's saying, and this goes directly to our vision of our lives. How do I live my life? Where do I start? The reality is this. We start small. We start small. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Here's the thing about a mustard seed. The reality of a seed is that it can't do anything unless it's planted. And the reality of something that is planted is that it seems insignificant. It seems small. It seems menial. But unless something is planted, unless that little step is done, it can't grow. And so when it comes to the vision and the purpose that God has for our lives, here's the reality. We just start small. What that means is every single day we make decisions that will lead us to our goal. It doesn't have to be big. We think small. I'd put it like this. What this means for us is this. Our destiny lies in our daily decisions. Our destiny lies in our daily decisions. The reality is this. Whatever our vision statement is for our life, it is not a bunch of big events that we do. It's not a bunch of big things. It is little things that we do every single day. Jesus' mission was big to seek and to save the lost. But the reality was every single day he did little things that helped him reach his big mission. You see, God gives us big missions and gives us big visions, but how we get there is small. Jesus' mission, seek and save the lost. But look at the little things that he does. Mark chapter one, 
It says this. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is Jesus, the Son of God. The very first thing that he does every single day, the Bible says that he got up, he went to a solitary place, and he prayed. Now, this is a task that seems so small when it comes to the Son of God, almost menial, like why is he praying? But I think what Jesus is doing, Jesus is setting a pattern for us. He's showing us the significance of what it means to start small. One thing I'm huge on is the principles of first, the principle of first. What is the first thing that we do to start our days? I just believe this so wholeheartedly, how we start our day will set us up for the direction in which the rest of our day will go. You see, can can I just be real? If you start your days every single day, every single morning, and I'm not talking about brushing your teeth or any of that good stuff, which I hope you do. What I'm talking about is like, what is the first real thing that you do when you wake up? Can I be real? If TikTok is the very first thing you do when you wake up, if Instagram is the very first thing you do, if it's Twitter, if it's Facebook, if it's checking your email, can I tell you how the rest of your day will go? It's going to go something like this. If you're on Instagram, the rest of your day is going to be filled with constant comparison. If you're on Facebook, the rest of your day may be filled with constant distractions. If it's Twitter, man, maybe the rest of your day is going to be filled with anxiety because of the things that you're reading. And so I'm just so huge on this principle of first. What is the very first thing you do every single day? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. One thing that's happened in our household, uh, most of us know if you know about our church, but Christy and I, uh, we just had brand new uh, baby girls. We have twins. And so twins, as you probably know, um, they change everything. And one thing that our twins love to do is they love to wake up very early in the morning while it's still dark. Uh, The only difference is, unlike Jesus, uh, they're not waking up to pray. Come on, somebody. Uh, They're hungry. And so the reality is this, especially when it comes to Christy, uh, she doesn't have a choice. She can't say to the babies, you know what? You guys just calm down. I got to pray first. I got to do my devotions. You guys just wait because that's not how babies work. But one thing that Christy has done that I've seen and I admire, every single morning when she wakes up to feed the babies, What she does, whether it's in our room, whether it's downstairs, she just turns on the TV and she puts on a worship playlist and just has it playing in the background while she's she's feeding the babies. And the reason that she's doing this is because she's making a way for God to stay first, even when it's inconvenient, even when it would be easier for us to put something else first. Now, the reason I'm telling this story is not to pump her tires, although I hope she feels pumped. The reason I'm telling this story is because I know there are so many people, I can see you right now on the other side of your screen and you already have your excuse for why you can't start the day with God. Well, I work too early. I go to bed too late. Here's the reality. I think for a lot of us, our built-in excuse was like, man, if I just didn't have work, like you don't know what my life would be like. Like my devotional life would be off the charts. I think one thing that's happened and you guys can let me know if you feel honest is that there are many people right now, either you're working from home, some of you guys, you're not even working at all anymore. And the reality is you still don't have a devotion life with God. You want to know why that is? Because when it comes to putting God first, it's never been a time issue. It's always been a priority issue. Because here's the reality of how life works and how we work as people. We will always put first that which we find is most important. You guys know this to be true. If there is something that you love, there are some crazy things that you will do to make it happen. I love golf and I pray that it doesn't get canceled this summer. 
and I'll let you know, I'll do some crazy things if I go to golf early in the morning. I don't care what time I went to bed. I don't care how tired I am. If I want to hit the links, like I'm there because it's important to me. And the reality for us as people, we all know this to be true. We will make time for that which is important. And so when we have a vision statement, when we have a clear statement, this is what I want to do. I want to impact people. Guess what? It starts with our firsts. What is the very first thing you do every single day? Because here's the reality. When we seek first the kingdom of God, everything that we do after will be more successful if God has come first. And so the question I want to ask this morning is what are we doing every single day to get to the place that we desire to go? One exercise that I did, uh, and this was pretty convicting for me, I read it from a book, but after you come up with your vision, your mission statement for your life, what it encouraged you to do was for 24 hours, write down everything that you did. And after you finish writing down everything that you've done, like every little thing, it said cross out all the things that you did that did not lead you to the place that you want to go. And as I did this exercise, I realized like, oh my gosh, like I'm crossing out a whole lot of things, right? Because the reality is this, we fill our days with things that do not matter. One thing that's extremely convicting for me, I don't know if you guys have this, Android users, I don't know what your lives are like, I don't even know how you live, but Apple users, every Sunday, you guys may get this text, I'm not sure, I just get it, but every Sunday morning I get a beep and it lets me know my daily or my weekly average screen time. You guys get this? You can let me know in the comments. Uh, and so every Sunday morning, I get this, this text, and it tells me how many hours per day I am on my phone. And now I'm just here to confess, since quarantine started, my daily average screen time has gone through the roof. And uh, it's been embarrassing, and it's been convicting, but I'm just telling you this because it's true. And so the reason I'm telling this is because for all of us, it's never been a time issue. All of us have time. The reality is what do we prioritize? Because the things which we find most important, we will make time for. And what Jesus is trying to do, Jesus is trying to show us what success looks like and how we have it. And so it says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up and he prayed. It's a small thing because we're thinking small. It's a little thing, but it can make a world of difference. Can, can I just be honest, friends? I think people in life that are most successful, the reality is this, the reason they are successful is because they are faithful in the little things. They're faithful in the little things. It's not the big things, it's, it's the little things every single day. I think another thing that we need to begin to do is we need to begin to have resolve even when we don't see results. Well, one of the reasons that we despise small, we despise little so much is because we don't see results right away. Can we just be honest? Some of you guys are saying like, man, Harrison, like I've done the whole wake up thing and like it didn't work. I'm like, how long did you do it for? One day? And it just wasn't a big deal. So I slept through. Here's the thing. We think small. Let me tell you the second thing we need to do. We need to think long. We need to think long because the reality is this. As a people, we have a tendency to base our decisions off of how we feel right now, how we feel in the moment. But what I believe to be true is a lot of times the things that are of the most significance in life, you won't see the results right away. And so what we need to begin to do as a people is we need to begin to think long. It's funny, one thing that I've realized um, about myself through this whole quarantine, and I knew it before, but um, I'm a pretty active person. Like I love playing sports. I love going to the gym, all that good stuff. And uh, what I found out now, since everything is canceled, uh, 
I got a whole lot of built up and pent up energy. Anyone else feel that? Like you don't even know what to do. Like I just, please, like something open up. And so in these moments where I've had all this like pent up energy, I think back to like two and a half, three weeks ago, uh, a conversation I had with Christy. Um, she, we both, uh, we both had memberships to LA Fitness, uh, which we're hoping they don't charge us this month because they're closed. Um, but two, three weeks ago, uh, Christy came to me. My mom was over. She was watching the babies. And so Christy was going to the gym. And so Christy came to me. It was about 4, 35 o'clock. She said, hey, you should come to the gym with me. Then she said something prophetic, which I didn't know was prophetic at the time. She said, you might never know if this is the last time you'll be able to go to the gym because things were closing. And so the reality was that was the last day that the gym was open. I didn't know it at the time. And so I said something to her. I said, yeah, I get it, but I'm tired right now. And uh, I'm just gonna be honest. I think I'm gonna sit this one out. I'll go another time. And what's so funny, I need you guys to hear this. The reason that I didn't go to the gym was because I was basing my decision off of how I was feeling in that moment. Is anyone listening right now? I was making my decision based on how I felt in that moment because in that moment I was feeling tired, not physically, but mentally. And so I said, man, I don't want to do anything physically. But had I been able to know how things would have progressed, I would have made a much different decision. The reality was I wasn't thinking long term. Are you guys following? You see, for so many of us, we will live our lives based on how we feel in the moment, based on how we feel in that second. But I need you to understand this, the most important things in life, things of the greatest significance, of the greatest sustenance, they often won't see the results right away. You can ask anyone that's ever worked out. The very first time you go to the gym, you don't see anything. You can ask anyone that's ever been on a diet. When the diet starts, you don't feel amazing. You want Popeye's chicken. Come on, somebody. That's just, that's just the reality of what it is. Come on, does this sound like prayer? This is prayer sometimes. Can we be honest? One of the reasons that a lot of us, we struggle with prayer is because we don't see results right away. I just, I just believe this to be true. If every single time we prayed, we saw results right away, we'd probably pray a whole lot more. But what I want us to see is that we need to begin to think long-term. We need to begin to have resolve even when we don't see results. And we just have to believe right now, even though I don't see it, God's working. Even though I don't feel it, God's working. I'm not sure what I'm reading right now in the Bible, but I'm going to believe that I'm building a foundation. I don't know if God hears my prayers, but I'm going to believe I'm going to keep on praying because the Bible says to pray without ceasing. You see, the reason that in Matthew 13, he uses the metaphor of a seed is because, get this, a seed, when it's planted and it's buried, nothing happens. Do you guys get that? When a seed is first planted, nothing happens. Now, I want you to think for a second. Imagine you knew nothing about gardening. You knew, you knew nothing of the process. If someone told you to plant a seed, to dig into the ground, plant it and water it three, four, five times a day, and you didn't see anything for a week, you would think that person's crazy. Like, why are you telling me to do this? Because I'm not seeing anything. But that's a very, very apt metaphor for how God works sometimes and how the little things in our lives make a big difference. The reality is this, we are not always gonna see the results right away. But we have to say to ourselves, my resolve is greater 
than the results. In other words, just because I don't see it, I'm not going to give up. You know, one thing for me, um, I love preaching. It's, it's one of my favorite things that I get to do, that I do, um, but I don't really like the process uh, in order uh, to prepare for preaching. It's just, for some people, they have this like gift where they can just like go up and speak and they don't even barely have to prepare. Uh, that's not me. Uh, in order for me to speak, I have to put in a lot of work, uh, time and effort. Um, two things I have to do all the time. I need to pray because if I can't pray, I just, I don't got the spirit of God. And number two, I need to read. I always need to read. I have a, a saying, if I'm not reading, I can't be leading. I shouldn't be leading. And so there's those things, but then there's the actual process of getting into it. And I'm just up, up, up here to let you guys know that I don't enjoy the process. I don't enjoy the process of preaching. It's long, it's tenuous, and I just, I don't like it. But what I do like and what I do enjoy is the preaching aspect of it. One thing I love more than anything else is getting up in front of people. I love, you know, when I'm on the stage and we feel the energy of the crowd and seeing lives changed. I love that part. And so the process has payoff. But now that we're online and everything's changed, it's funny because I don't even have that moment where I actually get to preach, right? I just have cameras now and it's a whole lot different. And so I've just had this temptation and I'm just gonna be honest with you guys, Church Online, we can be honest with each other. Since Church Online started, I've had so many thoughts cross my mind, like I should just give up. Like I should just share these guys some YouTube links and they can watch their own sermons because I just, I don't feel it. Because here's the reality, as I'm preparing these messages and then I go and I preach it in front of a camera, I preach my heart out and then I go home and it ends and there's nothing. And again, I'm just being honest, because there's no payoff, because I can't see it, I've had a temptation every single week after I've recorded to just take the message and delete it. Just, just get rid of it. It was terrible because I didn't see any results. Because again, I'm just in front of a camera. And in case I've ruined the facade, we record this beforehand. And so what happens is that we record it and then nothing happens and it just sits there. And so my temptation, listen, listen, this is human nature. Because I don't see immediate results, I want to give up. I just, I just want to stop. I want to get rid of it. But one thing we've seen, and the reason I'm telling you guys this story is because week after week, what we've seen for Church Online, which has been so awesome, we've seen people that we've been praying for tune in online. We've seen people that we didn't think we were going to see tune in online. We've seen people check out Kingdom Church that have never heard of Kingdom Church online. Now, the reason I'm telling that story is because emotionally, how I feel after I deliver it, because I don't see something immediately, I want to get rid of it and I want to discredit it, and I want to discard it. But can I encourage you something right now, everyone online watching, just because you don't see the results doesn't mean that God isn't working. Just because you don't feel it when you wake up in the morning doesn't mean that God isn't working. Just because your prayers feel empty, it doesn't mean that God is not working. Just because you feel like your kids don't appreciate you, it doesn't mean that it's not working. Just because I don't feel it, it doesn't mean God's not working. And so what we say to ourselves is this, my faith, listen, needs to be stronger than my feelings. In other words, my faith at the little things that I do, being faithful, being faithful, prayer, the little things I do, my faith is stronger than my feelings. 
You see, look what it says after this. It says, when he plants the seed, it says, though it's the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Here's what I love about this verse. It says, though it's the smallest, when it grows, it becomes something large. It becomes something significant. You know what that means? Those little things that we do, those daily decisions, though they seem small, though they seem insignificant, can I encourage you, one day they will pay off. One day those prayers will come to fruition. So I want, for anyone right now, you feel like, man, I just want to stop. I just want to give up. Life is too hard. I want to encourage you, don't stop. Because that which is small can grow into something large. But here's the thing I want us to see. It says it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This is a rich metaphor because the essence of what he is saying, he's saying when we start small, when we are faithful to those small things, the reality is this, one day it's going to grow and it's not just going to grow for you. It's going to grow so you can bless others around you. So people can come and perch in its branches. Here's the beauty of God. God is a generational God. He's the God of Jacob. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Abraham. He thinks generationally. What that means is God does not just think for the here and now. God thinks for the future. God thinks long-term. And the reality of all of our lives, the vision for your life, God does not want your legacy to stop with you. He doesn't want it to end with you. God wants us to think generationally. God wants us to think like a tree where we can bless other people. I just believe this to be true, church, wherever you're listening. I want to speak this over your life. I want to declare this over your life right now. This is not the end. This is not the end. Can I encourage you with this? For so many of us right now, with everything that's going on, I think we've adopted this mindset where we're just living for the day, for today. Like, I don't see tomorrow. I have no hope for tomorrow. Can I tell you something? It's easier right now to curl up in a ball and watch Netflix. It's easier right now to live with discouragement. It's easier right now to live without hope. But I want to encourage you right now that this is not the end. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God still has a next for your life. And like the verse says, we can grow and we can have a legacy. You see, God's call for our life, I believe this to be true, is for our lives not to end with us, but is for us to have a legacy, to have something that we leave behind. And here's the thing about legacy, and here's the thing about why we have to think long. The reality of our legacy, and if we have a true legacy, we will never even begin to see the fruits of it. But what we do every single day is we do little things today that we believe will make a big difference tomorrow. We're faithful in the little things. Hey, if you're watching online right now, we want to give you the opportunity to respond. Maybe you're watching right now and you're saying, man, I, I, I want vision. I want purpose for my life. I want to follow after this guy named Jesus. Hey, we want to give you that chance right now. And it's super simple. We know that online right now, what we do in church, usually we get you to raise your hand. Uh, in a moment, we're going to send you a link that will allow you to fill the connect card if you want to make a decision for Jesus. But right now, we want to give you the opportunity to respond. And so if you're watching right now, if you feel in your heart God is stirring something, we're going to give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus right now. You can fill out this connect card. And hey, before you do that, why don't we pray this prayer together? Just follow after me at home. Everyone say, Dear Jesus. 
I need you. God, I need you now more than ever. I give you my everything. I give you my wins and I give you my sins. I give you my victories and I give you my defeats. God, I give you everything. Make me a new creation. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, why don't we all pray together one last time as we close? God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much that you have given each and every one of us a plan and a purpose. And God, I just pray today that we can live for you, that you can give us vision for tomorrow as we begin to live our lives for you. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, if you'd like to visit us in person, head over to our website, kingdomchurch.ca, and plan your visit today. We can't wait to meet you. Until next time, take care.